you're only around people just like you, it limits your growth. But the moment you're around someone who's good at something you're not good at, you actually begin to grow. We have to become better at who we filter in and out of our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't just have everyone for you. You have to be for other people. Every successful person I know has had a moment of betrayal by a really close friend. Those people did not let that betrayal jade them to where they could no longer trust people again. Well, it's been about a month since we've been together and it feels good to sit in front of you and, and do a much requested one-on-one -on -one conversation that we haven't had uh, since we've started having guests. I think we've done a decent job of having really interesting people and uh, being consistent with that, but uh, you know, you can never give the people what they want. What are you talking about? We Those give, conversations have been amazing. I think they've been amazing, but we get a lot of requests for people who just want a one-on-one, -on -one, me and you, father well. and son, like the old times. <laughs> That's because those are those are the OGs. <laughs> the OGs. The OGs. But um, I love the conversation we've been having. In fact, um, you've been trying to convince me for so long to have guests. And I always say I just love having conversations with you, but you've won me over. I yeah. mean, having the conversation with Will Gadara was for me just epic and life-giving and, um, you know, talking with phil jones mark bone yeah um oh my goodness you know yeah we've had was it the the ggb girls and ali webb and yeah and to have so many amazing guests jake goss it's been really a unique experience i've really enjoyed interviewing people mm -hmm. uh, and having guests so it's a completely different dynamic yeah you couldn't be any different than um like john gordon and girls gone bible <laughs> no polar opposites uh yeah. but yeah i mean i do find that the unique element to our podcast yeah. and you know i've been we've been traveling all over we left each other in new york and then have kind of met back in la but it's good to be back here I mean, you've been everywhere london stockholm mexico city yeah new york back here you mean you were in florida you were mm -hmm. in new york you were i think you went to florida again yeah it's not quite an exotic to fly to jacksonville <laughs> you are we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room you had a little surgery on your eye so you're wearing some sunglasses yeah this, this, is, this has been the whole month yeah and uh yeah the way i i put it was uh, or the way i was told was it's a medical procedure that will have cosmetic benefit so right now i look hideous but i'm believing that when the surgery heals up that i'm gonna look awesome no you look great you look great and your your eyes are healing up nicely and um and you can see better which is amazing yeah right now i have a great familiarity and and um empathy for lizards because their eyes move differently <laughs> like my right and left eye are not in sync yeah and so uh it's an interesting um way of navigating life <laughs> yeah <laughs> i see both of you <laughs> so where where do well, you, there's no one over there oh, so yeah, maybe that's you don't where see. I'm from. <laughs> so uh where, what are some things you want to talk about we well, blank blank canvas you know i mean some of it is whenever we're having conversations with people People hear the the interview, but you learn a lot about people, and you, you also hopefully learn a lot about yourself in the process. and And so, I thought maybe one thing that'd be really fun is just talk about some of the things we've experienced and learned over the past few months. My goodness, I don't think we've actually had a one on one conversation even since I came back from El Salvador no, and no. you know since meeting with Arena President Bukele there. And um, and so, there's just so many different life experiences. You know, when people ask me. Um, one of the things you need to do to grow, like how can I expand my my imagination or increase my intelligence or you know grow as a human being? One of the things I always tell people is travel, hmm. and um, travel definitely like expands who you are as a person. And and not everyone has the opportunity to fly to Tokyo or or yeah. you know fly to Paris or something like that. Although I think those opportunities are available to so many of us. You, you can find a cheap flight, you yeah. know, and find a way to experience the world. But, but even if you just expand it beyond your normal space, hmm. you, you know, and um, just go to New York or, you know, experience, you know, 
San Francisco. I would say the opposite. Like experience the opposite of what you experience. Oh, okay. I thought you were right. you were no, saying no, the opposite. No, 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 no. No, I agree with okay, you. I agree with you. Right. No, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> but I'd say like go find the opposite of what if you've only experienced America, go find a place that speaks a different language. Yeah. And if you can't bear it, like if you can't, mm-hmm. you know, take that much culture shock, go to London. Yeah. <laughs> right? Go to Canada. Go to some place that feels, you know, uh, like safe, but if you really want to push yourself, go somewhere where you've got to figure it out. Yeah, one of the unexpected places for me was when I went to Montreal. Okay. I mean, here you go to Canada. Yeah. And it's French. Right. And it's really beautiful. It has yeah. kind of an ancient, you know, old school, old world kind of feel to it. And uh, the people are really unique. I just like experiencing new, not just new places, but new new people, different kind of people yeah. in the world. I think that's a part of what helps you expand uh, because people do see the world differently. Also, like, when you interact with people who speak multiple languages. Part of the interesting thing when I was in uh, Jacksonville is I met several people who spoke four, five, six different languages. Wow. And there is something very unique about- In Jacksonville? I, well, it's because the event was in in the Jacksonville area. I can't pronounce it. It's in Ponte- Ponte Verde. Vidra. They call oh. it Vidra. Uh, they Vidra. say it wrong, but Ponte it's Vidra. Vidra. And so there were- the CEOs basically of different companies coming in from Amsterdam and from you know Germany and England and okay, so they had an international event in Florida, yeah, South America, and yeah. so they were coming from all over the world. Okay, and when you begin to have a conversation with the person who speaks four different languages, right, you realize their brain just works differently, right? Then, honestly, than a person who only speaks one language sometimes, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and so even if you don't speak fluently, just Pressing yourself to learn different things, learn different words, learn different cultures, I think is really, really important. Yeah, download Duolingo and get into it. <laughs> yeah. One thing I started doing was I, I was listening to an interview with a guy who just, that's what he does. He like learns languages and then does translations and all of these things. He's a younger guy too. He talked about how he would start with the with the, for the top 1,000 words that that country uses in their language. Mm. And that's how he starts attacking a language. That's a good way of thinking. Like, oh, that's so smart. He's like, obviously, that that only works for, you know, the Latin languages, really. Mm-hmm. But he's like, but even, you know, I think he speaks Chinese, Mandarin. I think he speaks Russian. He's like, I would start with the the, the verbal first thousand words and just learn how to say them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's really interesting. But yeah, I wonder, yeah, it's like if, if it's only a thousand words that are holding us back from being somewhat able to speak a different language, mm-hmm. like how many words away am I from mastering something? Yeah. But if you take that just like one, maybe like a half step, you know, remember when we used to shoot a lot of films? Okay. They always say split the difference. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you can split the difference between learning a new language, uh, have a new experience. Okay. And Why is it so important for you? Have new experiences? Either one. Well, because they help you see the world from different perspectives. And I think it helps you um, be able to engage life more in a more interesting way, in a more creative way, helps solve problems. Um, yeah, I, I know it sounds strange, but I mean, think about it. The moment um, I think you introduced me to uh, to this documentary F one, the Drive to Survive doc. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't know if you introduced me or I introduced you, but but we got on the chef table. Yes, I think you introduced me to that one. Right. So the moment we're into like culinary arts, right? You're in a, you know, and we're watching Chef's Table, we're learning something about how humans experience things and see things. Yeah, and it actually helped me grow a lot. Yeah. As a human being. Yeah. And then the moment I'm watching F1, which is a whole different space. Right. And I'm absolutely consumed by it and absorbed by it. I start growing and thinking and learning. Oh, you know what it is? It's, you know, that, that adage of um, um, proximity creates um, not just opportunity, but expansion. That when you have proximity to something, it creates opportunity, right? You know, when you have friends who own restaurants, you have opportunities to go into the restaurant world. If yeah. you have friends who are, you know, in different worlds, it opens up opportunities, but it also creates like expansion. Mm-hmm. You begin to grow by what you're in proximity to. Hmm. So if you're only around people just like you, it limits your growth. Yeah. But the moment you're around someone who's good at something you're not good at, you actually begin to grow. Hmm. And so I think ironically, um, this is the one upside of maybe um, entertainment or um, you know Netflix and everything else is that it gives you access to proximity in a sense to a world that you may never know. 
Hmm. And exposure. Yeah, exposure. Yeah. And then you're going, oh, wow, that's an interesting way of seeing the world. Oh, I never thought about that. Hmm. You know, and. And, and then if you take that and apply that, I mean, the intense focus that F1 takes, hmm. right? The, the fact that there's a whole team involved in making that car work all, all yeah. of a sudden gives you a whole different uh, appreciation for the teamwork. I think the teams, for some of them, it's like close to a thousand people. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, Mercedes, I think, has a thousand people that work on their F1 team. That's insane. That's insane. To yeah. make one driver successful or two drivers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to make two. Yeah, to make one driver successful. <laughs> <laughs> right to have two competitive cars. And yeah, have, you're managing two different teams, two different drivers on the same team. Right. Yeah, it's really unique. You no, know, I I watched this documentary on my way back from Mexico City yesterday, and it was called A Compassionate Spy, and it was about a guy named Theodore Hall who was on the um, Los Alamos project mm. in, um, in the Oppenheimer thing, mm-hmm. and his I want to say his son. Or his best friend's son wrote a book, I want to say, called Stealing Fire, Stealing the Fire. Oh, wow. It's a really interesting. So the interview, you know, I think his his wife and his best friend are are and him are kind of the focal point of this documentary. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of their kids, but the wife is still alive mm-hmm. and Joan Hall. And and it talked about how they they basically his best friend gave him the idea. He was a Russian Jewish man, mm-hmm. Russian Jew, Russian mm-hmm. Jewish kid. They, they were college kids. They were 18. He got signed to Los Alamos when he was 18 years old, wow. a young physicist. And he ended up at Harvard afterwards. And so he has all these letters and all these conversations. But it's essentially how his best friend said, you have to give these secrets to the Soviet Union. You have to give them to Russia. Oh, wow. Because what if my family gets bombed by this, you know, mm-hmm. atom bomb? What if my fa- what if yeah. what if you know and he's looking from a Russian Jewish perspective like why would you know if this is used against the Japanese you know to stop the Germans what happens if we use it against the Russians and we mm-hmm. kill Jewish people and we kill you know he's thinking about his people mm-hmm. which is really interesting but it's it was one of the most fascinating things is there's almost zero remorse for leaking the data there's no remorse the wife wow. fully believes she was. She was also part of like the feminist movement. She was a part of the, the, the communism movement, like social communists. But she, so she loves movements. <laughs> and I did, I, well, I, I found it interesting because she declares, she self-declares that they were Jewish, but atheists. And so it was, it was really interesting because I'm like, oh, you're, you're, you're atheists. Whatever religion your background or heritage is from, but they're atheists, self, self-proclaimed. But they live their entire life trying to find things to join. <laughs> That's interesting. Right? Like well, it was, that's a good observation, was, Aaron. So there was always, so I'm like, oh, it's interesting if you just maybe join your church. <laughs> or synagogue. Or synagogue. Yeah. Or temple, you know, then maybe there would have been a sense of this community that you needed, that you didn't have to. So it was this rebellious nature with this like highly intellectual, like, mm-hmm. you know, fascination with physics and, and the sharing of secrets. But it was a really remarkable, it exposed me to, also even in the title, mm-hmm. a compassionate spy. Like how could a spy be compassionate? But it was really, he, he, when he gave the interview, he gives an interview before he dies, but he goes, why did you do it? He goes, it was out of compassion. Mm. If we use this on one person, who are we to be trusted that we won't use it against everyone? And I, and that's a very rational way of thinking. It's very logical. <laughs> and I, and, but it went against the core of, of what I believe as an American. <laughs> right? Because you pick a team and you play for it. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> but, but maybe he picked humanity right. as the team. Right. So, and I, and I, I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was, if it was him being so subversive because it was the reality is that he's stealing fire. So this idea of Sisyphus almost, right. Yeah. This, that he was forever going to be pushing this boulder up this mountain Mm -hmm. because the gods were punishing for him for trying to steal fire and to live forever. Right. But this, this, it was interesting to to watch it and exposed me to such a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Because as Americans, we tend to think that we are always the superheroes. Mm-hmm. It's the narrative we have in the media. It's the narrative we have in our in our in our national media. So often now it's changed a lot. We're the enemy. Yeah, but you're also Captain America. You 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 love this country. You're, I love this country. Yeah. Though I I my, the anxiety entering this country is so much heavier than entering any of these other countries. Yeah, it's so unique that the personal pressure that we put on ourselves. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think that's really interesting because you know even though, and I'm going to go too deeply in that, but you know. You're thinking, oh, I need to give it to the other side to try to neutralize the danger. Yeah. Why didn't anyone decide, well, let's give it to Switzerland? 
and let them decide. <laughs> you, you know, rather yeah. than like, okay, let's find the the counter opposite. Yeah. And like, why don't we give it to someone who's highly neutral and trust power there to try to give a balance of power? So it's it seems sometimes Well, because when you're neutral, you're nothing. That's interesting. Right. And or also, you never are a threat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I they said something in the documentary that was really unique because Russia was technically allies with the US at the time. That's right. Because this is World War Two, right? Yeah. So they're 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 they lost twenty million people fighting the Germans and Italians. Yeah. So, you know, the, it, I don't know if there's a larger sacrifice humans, you know, you know, if, yeah. to engage in a war to yeah. try to to not have Europe being taken over by Nazis. But so it's a really interesting perspective. Going, they didn't see them as the enemy, social communists. They saw them as an ally, and like yeah. if they're really our ally, we should be sharing this with them. Yeah. Right, and and yeah. Yeah, I think that's a situation of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I don't think that American political ideologies were ever friendly with Russian socialism. Yeah. But because of Nazism, because of fascism, it became like the enemy of our enemy. Is our friend. Became our friend. Yeah. And so we went to war with people who were against what we were against, but they were not for what we were for. Hmm which is a great thing. It's a great uh, lesson in life. Because I remember years ago when I, uh, the one talk I ever heard T.D. Jakes do, we were both speaking at a, uh, a business event hmm. and, um, and T.D. Jakes said, you need to have three kind of people in your life to achieve optimal success. Hmm. One, you have to have people who are for what you're against, hmm. the enemy of your enemy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, you need to have people who are for what you... No, no, you just said for what you're against. Yeah. For you... For and, what you're against. So they join you because you're both against the ah, same thing. Okay, okay, okay. Like, okay. so they're not for you, but they're for what you're against. Right. And then you have people who need to be for your mission. But then you have to have... He said, to, he said the reason he achieved the level of success he has is he not only had people who are for what he was against and for what he was for, but there were people who were for him. Hmm. And I remember when I heard that... I actually thought to myself, I've never given myself permission to have people who are for me. Yeah, why is that? I, I you know, I, there could be, maybe this is gonna turn into a therapy session, but you know, I, I don't know, but I, I know that was true. I don't accept that answer. <laughs> I just never knew that it was okay. No, don't accept that either. I, I'm just telling you what, you know, know. Keep Keep scratching at it. <laughs> you know, and so. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not done. And so I think I work with people who no, no, we no. were against I, the same thing. I'm things. not done. You're still going on, but we're not and people done people who were for the same mission. Do you think you hired people actively that weren't for you? No, I don't think I even asked the question. Huh. So you would hire people based on, would you hire them based on, um, or you built your team based on people who were for what you were against or for what you were for? They were for what I was for. Okay, but not necessarily for you. Not, yeah. I felt like that was like narcissistic or, or inappropriate or. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I just, um, but ironically, well, I was I for people. And you were for the individuals. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, ironically, yeah. I was the opposite. I was actually for people. Even when I wasn't for their mission or for what they were against, I would believe in them and, and, and advocate for them. There's a huge relational difference, right? In mm -hmm. friendships where it's not just you're both against what you're against, right? Yeah. I talk about that a lot. Like yeah. I have friends who are like, you, if you are friends with someone I don't like, someone who's wronged me, we cannot be friends, mm -hmm. right? There's There are people that in my life that are that intense. Yeah. And I have, there are times where I've had to like make friend sacrifices mm -hmm. because I can't be friends with these people anymore because the people I really do care about and love cannot be exist in that space mm -hmm. i'm kind of that person mm -hmm. i kind of need people who are against what i'm against yeah but i do find the difference between people who are just for what you're for versus being for what you're for and also for you yeah. that's that is like that like smallest sliver is the most important it yeah. feels like i actually think that i didn't have people who are for me because you know i i, I hate when people go into childhood trauma no why you only hate it because you don't do it but I think it's related to my own childhood trauma that I grew up without people who are for me. Hmm. And and so I just assumed that that would be a wrong expectation. And then I, I became a, when I became a follower of Jesus, I thought, okay, being for Jesus 
is enough. Hmm. If people are for Jesus, then we can go, you know, do hmm. life together. Um, but I will say that, you know, there are a few talks or a few messages, a few insights in my life that were seismic. And that was one. Because that day I told myself, oh, you need to give yourself permission and believe that there are people out there who will be for you. Yeah. And that was a significant shift for me. Yeah. And it elevated my life. Yeah. It, it, um, it, but it also like set a higher standard of yeah. what friendship really is. Yeah. Because it's, it's different to be friendly and to have friends. Yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and it's one thing to have friends and to have people who are like, um, are like your band, you know, the band yeah. of brothers or band of brothers, sisters, people who yeah. are, you know, what do you, what's the phrase, ride or die kind of yeah. people. Yeah. And, um, and I actually like being that kind of friend. I like being the kind of friend that people know um, he's with me no matter what. Hmm. Like he's going to always support me, always going to have my back. Uh, I actually find incredible value in being that friend. Hmm. And, um, and I have people in my life now that are those kinds of friends and um, the value is pretty, pretty high, you know, yeah. when you have that. And, um, and frankly, you know, um, you're that kind of friend. Yeah, you, you know, and so I think so. You you become a full, you know, blown adult, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and uh, and we still choose each other. We still do oh, every day. Yeah, you know, and so and ironically, yeah. sometimes we're not even against the same things. <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 probably against more than you. Yeah, I, I use fewer things to be against. Yeah, and uh, yeah, um, but um, but I think but this is I think an important lesson um, for me and takeaway when I listen to really effectively successful people like Will Yadara, yeah. um, their ability to have a healthy spectrum of relationships mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. You know, and, and it still almost goes without exception. Every successful person I know has had a moment of betrayal by a really close friend. Like the, the story of Judas is like a, a self-repeating narrative throughout life of highly influential successful people yeah so but the difference is those people did not let that betrayal jade them to where they could no longer trust people again hmm. and what i find is the ones who end up hitting a wall are the ones when they experience betrayal they never trust anyone again hmm. and the ones that elevate beyond that experience is that they do not let that betrayal jade them from opening themselves up to new relationships and new people. Openness and resilience are a unique thing yeah. because that's what I'm hearing you say. Because mm -hmm. I think everyone has moments of betrayal. Everyone has yeah. moments where you know a relationship might fall apart, X, Y, Z. But it's mm -hmm. really how you bounce back from that. Whether you don't become friends again, you know, you don't, it doesn't mean the relationship has to exist. And I think, I think we as 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 two people on this you know at this table and people who are listening like we have to become better at who we filter in and out of our lives right yeah, absolutely we have to that's a forever journey of like learning who 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 you should be for because mm -hmm. the other thing is you can't just have everyone for you you have to be for other people yeah right that's a that's right. it has to be symbiotic it has to be a two-way street that you do i do meet people i can't be friends with people who need you to only be for them i have friends like that yeah. i'm like no no sorry like you get the absolute loyalty when I get that back, <laughs> right? And then, and, and I'm absolutely, I can be more for you than you are for me. Mm -hmm. But if you're not for me, it's reveal, it reveals itself really fast. Mm -hmm. And the most healthy I've ever felt in my life or when I feel like I have people in my life that I can easily be for, mm -hmm. and then they can be for me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and this last year I cut out, I actually cut out a whole crew of friends that I was really close with for two years. Mm -hmm. But I realized I was so for them. They were not so for me. At the moment that my focus shifted, mm -hmm. right, I can't actually give you as much of myself as I would like to, it actually was harder mm -hmm. for them to accept it than for me to accept it. Mm -hmm. For me, I had to make a personal adjustment of how much time I allocated. Mm -hmm. For them, it was betrayal and, oh no, you're not actually one of us anymore. It was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's okay because I'm not. Yeah, that, <laughs> you know that's chapter three of mind shift. You can't you take can't everyone take with, with you. you. 
<laughs> but Duh. I could either wallow in that the sadness yeah. or hey, I'm giving you more space and time to get people who are more for you. Yeah. And I am now f- so much more freed up to be more for the people that I can be for. Yeah. You just when you go through chapter 3, you want to you want to circle back to chapter 1, it's all about people. It just may be a new set of people at that stage in your life. Yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, just based on the realities of of, you know, where the journey that you're on takes you. Yes. You, you know, and yes. And and but it's it, it has been for me a very um liberating thing to go um and, you know, Kim and I we've been married 40 years and you know, sometimes she'll feel sad going look at all the people who've come and gone. Because if you live long enough, people come and go. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. And I said what we shouldn't look at is how many people have come and gone. Yeah. What we really want to look at is do people elevate because they've come? Yeah. And, you know, is is are their lives better? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. our lives were part of their lives and and, and you know, because we don't hold, want to hold anyone back. We want people to grow and expand and develop. And yeah. I remember one time we had this person we both really loved, and they heard one of my messages about pursuing your dreams. Um, say, we'll this, is, this is what you're just a little, little, oh, little okay, guy. Okay, okay. And so they got up and moved to Paris and became a culinary chef. Who was this? And um, you don't know them, but it was. Who, how did we love them then? <laughs> what? How did we love them? Your your mom. Oh. And, uh, We're the only we up here right now. No. <laughs> and um, and and she was so sad. She goes, "Why do you have to cast vision and tell people to pursue their dreams?" I just lost one of my my friends. And I go, "Yeah, but do you want your friend to stay in L.A. and wish they had gone to Paris to become a chef, or do you want to lose your your friend in a sense and let them go pursue that dream in their life?" And well, I do think friendships should be incubators for greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like there, and there, and that's that is the sad reality mm-hmm. of friendships. Yeah. Is that when they're great friendships, you you inspire each other, you drive each other, you sharpen each other, and then you go out into the world and put that into practice. Yeah. Like right. Like my greatest friendships, I have less time for now. Yeah. They have less time for me. Yeah. Right. And I always am like curious. You know, I'm not someone who has. I now have long friendships because I've now have. I've been an adult for longer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't have a lot of childhood friends. Mm-hmm. I have some amazing people I've known since childhood. Yeah, but there's, you know, I mean, Kev's probably the only one. That's who. That's who came to mind. <laughs> and we had two, two and a half decades where we weren't close. Yeah, because we were, we weren't even. But then your journeys brought you back together, and then our journey is, you know, in college and then in friendship and church and and friendship again. And so, but I will say, because I'm, I would say I would, I cut. You were kind of like this, but I just. If you, were, if you were in high school, I didn't want to mess with you. <laughs> I, I, high school to me was not an enjoyable experience. That's all triggering. Get me out of here. You know? And I had one teacher, teacher that, I, that I really loved. And then when I went and said hi to her like uh, two years ago, she didn't remember me. And it made me laugh. I was like, oh, you know what's amazing? <laughs> Is that there's people who don't even remember you, but they affected you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I was like, what an honor to be someone she didn't remember, but she changed my life. That's awesome. And really encouraged me, you know? And that was just her being good. Yeah. Right? Like she wasn't even trying. Like when yeah. I really try with someone, I remember forever. I'm like, I tried so hard. <laughs> you know? I'm like, it's like a Lincoln Park song. But with her, <laughs> she was just being her. You know? Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. I experienced your goodness. That's right. I, I'd be so curious uh, just from everyone who listens to uh, the Mindship podcast. How many of you went to your high school reunion? You're a psychopath. And how many went to your college reunion? Because I've never killer. gone to a single high school reunion. How about you, Austin? No. No. You know, I didn't go to my high school reunion because I don't think I particularly liked myself in high school. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to go see the people who knew me then. And um, and then I didn't go back to my college reunion because I didn't I didn't think there'd be anyone that I even met or knew during that time that would might even be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm yeah, not very good at reconnecting backwards. I just have to say. I have a cliche for you. Okay. That actually Carl gave me back in the day. And it was a very fitting one because I didn't actually needed that at the moment. But he's like, whatever keeps you, like your head turning back will keep you from like facing the direction you're supposed to be going in. Mm-hmm. And he said it better than I just did. But that essentially was the principle. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh. It actually is like it's because it, I, I, I the way I would rephrase it is you you spend too much time looking at a map versus just living your life and going forward. Yeah. Right. Like I'm I'm looking at the map of the things I need to do. I'm looking for a map to tell me where to go mm-hmm. versus just picking a direction and heading in that. Okay. Funniest thing, you know that those books, Rick Rick Steves, 
Oh, yeah. The books that mom would always <laughs> yeah. read while so, we were in the so place. Whenever we traveled the world, she would just buy that Rick Steves and go crazy on Rick Steves, right? You know, Rick and Steves is a so, G. So we're driving, I think it's through um, Scotland. No, I, it might have been Scotland yeah. and, or, or I think France was, or Italy, some place like that. I think it was Scotland. And she's looking at the picture going, look how beautiful this is. And literally, the, pho- the, the photograph was right this in was front Scotland. of us. It was a castle. Okay, it was, I'm going, honey, <laughs> if you would look up and get your head out of the book, it's right in front of you. And yeah, it's interesting. You miss things on the map because you're not looking up from it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That we spend so much time with our heads buried, we forget to like live life in the moment and experience the world around us. That is so mom. That yeah. is so mom. So I look back and I go, I don't have any friends from high school or any friends from college that I still connect to but I have one friend I connect to from my master's program and Who? Randy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, love him, great. we were roommates. And, um, but I also realize there's a reason for that. Okay. Um, I've changed so much. Yes. That the connecting point w- isn't there. Yeah. Not because of them, but because at those stations of my life, I, sp- I spend most of my energy trying to be who I thought people wanted me to be. Okay. And then once I left all the structures of school, academics, you know, the, the institutions that I was a part of, once I went on my own, hmm. I became less and less and less like the person who they knew in that experience. Right. Because when you're playing football together, hmm. everyone experiences you as a football player. Hmm. They don't realize you're a philosopher. Hmm. <laughs> they just they just know you you know as a running back or a linebacker. Right. And um, and and I and I realize that so much of who I really was, none no one ever knew. And it wasn't their fault. I never gave anyone. Do you, you think know, you knew? No. Like, right. Like I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm like, do you think you were cognitive of how different you would become? No, I think that the person I really was was a neurosis inside of me, in okay. my mind. Okay. Like who I really was was something broken that doesn't fit into the world. Hmm. And then who I, who I was trying to be was something I was creating, but wasn't really me. Hmm. So I think most of my life, I worked really hard at being someone that could be acceptable. Hmm. And... Um, and then, and so you realize, oh, um, was there a transition or like a, a fork in the road moment when you realized that you no longer wanted to be acceptable, you wanted to be exceptional? Ooh, I got goosebumps. Um, yeah, there was. And um, I, I think that was probably in my 20s when I began to, um, you know, like cocoon myself out. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't sure, you know, the part of me that I think was waiting to be exceptional, it always felt wrong. Okay. Or I wasn't sure if it was, you know, you know, it's like, is it rebellion, you know, yeah. or is it uniqueness, right? You know, yeah. is it is it me just refusing to grow up and be an adult or is it me actually growing up hmm. and being different? Hmm. And, and so I don't know if you're, other people maybe are more self-aware. Um, I always was uncertain, hmm. you know? Yeah. It, it, I felt like it was like a flip. For a long time, I felt like the part of me who now I know is me, always felt like I was supposed to overcome it. And then the part of me that I thought was supposed to be me, um, I would actually use all my energy to be it. And, and I think that's a challenging thing, you know, especially with your mom being married to me for 40 years, is I just can't even fully factor the confusion that she experienced as I just kept evolving and growing and changing from the person she married at 25 to the person that, you know, I was at 45. And, and she would tell me, I don't know what happened to you. And, you know, and, and there were times where I would change my whole way of seeing reality, my whole way of seeing the world and I didn't know how to tell her. It was really scary hmm. to be able to go, hey, this is, this is how I see the world. 
And it didn't always go well. No, it didn't always go well. Yeah. But I do think she, there's like, I really commend her. That's probably one of the hardest things she's done in life. Yeah. Is like stayed, you know, people might, people might think it might be the opposite. You guys explore the world. You were this very, you know, cool guy. You became this really like eccentric fashionista, like thought leader. You know what I mean? Like you really yeah. became, and mom kind of like mom is mom. <laughs> and and like she's a, she's a rock. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? And I think it was harder for her to stay with you than it was for you to stay with her. Yeah. Like, not a mean way. Yeah, like, yeah. I think the journey, like, most people would see the opposite. And I'd be like, no, no, I think my mom had it harder. Yeah. My mom had to, ha you would come back different yeah. from your trips. Yeah. And she would, she remained, like, really, she's grown so much. But I mean, like, her growth is different. But yeah. she would remain the same, right? And she always grew in intelligence. She always, like, she's a really, she really, really smart person. beliefs. Yes. But she ain't not changing. <laughs> Jesus could come down and be like, and she'd be like, nope. I, this is this is the Jesus I know, not the you, not you, Jesus. <laughs> she's she's just a, she's a woman with with massive character and and conviction, like conviction, and 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 she lived her life like that. Mm -hmm. And so I do. I, there's something that you know I commend her ability to adapt, yeah, and her lack thereof, and self awareness <laughs> of like I don't adapt well, so let me fight this and then realize I'm not going to win. You know. Yeah, one of the rare vacations we took by ourselves, uh, we went to Greece. Okay, and we were in. Um, Crete and we're in this pool and Greece was bankrupt as a country so we were in this whole massive resort by ourselves <laughs> it's really amazing and uh, and we're sitting in the pool and I took a huge risk and I, and I remember going honey I need to tell you you know where my thinking has taken me how yeah. I see the world and 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 I didn't do that often yeah you know and and I remember just kind of like being super transparent and in a Kim way, she looked at me, she goes, are you saying you don't believe in Jesus anymore? Yeah. And I said, that didn't come anywhere near saying that. Yeah, <laughs> How did yeah. you hear that? Yeah. You know, and it's because there's a sense where if you think Pluto is a planet and then you discover it's not a planet, you're not sure if the solar system works. Yeah. You, you yeah, know, yeah. and I've never questioned my relationship with Jesus, or, but it's like, he's the sun, but I do question all the other planets. Yeah. And the way everything is put together in the universe, and mm. and um, you know, and and because for her things really hold together in a cohesive way, and for me, I've always tried to figure out how the universe works, and I'm not always sure. Hmm. When I watched Oppenheimer, I did you enjoy it? I actually did really enjoy yeah, Oppenheimer. Too. Yeah, and um, and went back and watched it a second time. Yeah, and just trying to listen to the nuances of it. And when I was finished, you know, I always think through like at a personal level, I go, I wish I'd had better math teachers. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd never met a math teacher. You know, because <laughs> I, I finished it going, you know how people ask, um, you know, if you didn't choose this career, if you could do it over again, what other career would you choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get asked that question a lot. Yeah, and I realized I would have loved studying quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Like, I could have easily been that more esoteric person who would have loved spending his life. And I said, they just didn't tell me one thing that I needed to hear. If they had told me at the beginning of my journey in math, the reason you need to study math is in here you will discover the secret of the universe. I would have wiped out every other class and just studied math. Because what really struck me, and I think it's one of the reasons I always end up going back and loving math and loving physics and all these things is, yeah, I didn't know. See, I wasn't interested in that two apples plus two apples equals four apples. Yeah. Like it just didn't like capture me. But if someone had said to me, if you can learn how to do this, there's gonna be a next level. And if you can learn how to do that, there's going to be a next level. And then at one of these levels, you'll discover the meaning of the universe. I, I, they would own me. You know, you know, you know, I, 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 I believe you. I believe you. But if you have Christopher Nolan shooting your movie, uh, basically about physics and math, mm -hmm. and he still can't explain it. <laughs> I don't think you would have ever done it. <laughs> there, because there's this, you know, and, and I, I'm people who understand math, uh, to me, I put it in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a really beautiful box because mm -hmm. I'm like, you can see the things in between the things that exist, mm -hmm. right? You can see nothing. 
right? It's like this really beautiful idea. But you can most of them cannot explain how to get from two plus two <laughs> to get me to the, the open expanse of like seeing nothing. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's I mean it's my lack of understanding of math, but really like I, I don't think any teacher ever thought to go read American Prometheus. A, this is a story <laughs> about a man who saw in between things. Mm-hmm. Right? I I had to do I had to scrape every inch of like emotional pull I could with every math teacher I've ever had. <laughs> I even played volleyball for two years to conv- to get a C in math. But I, I but I get what you're saying. Like right, if, but there's there's like theoretical theoretics, you know, theoretical physics, and that's yes. the part that really like that fascinates fascinate you. me. Like you know, going, and I love when in the movie where Oppenheimer goes, "You do this, you're better than me at math." Yes. By the way, that's a great leadership lesson. You got Oppenheimer in charge of yes. the whole project saying to people, you're better than me. You're better than me. You're better than me. Like they're better at yes. everything. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, Einstein really not being great at math. Right. He's just, he's great at, you know, in sense, theoretical physics. Yeah. And uh, because I think that's part of the driving fuel of every human being is trying to make sense of life. Hmm. They just are doing it through math. <laughs> <laughs> you know you do it through words yeah it was, we do it through storytelling like you know what's a story that changes us what's a story that elevates us yeah you I mean I, even the idea of seven frequencies which we have in the arena which is this like yeah. I don't know seven hour or five hour thing I mean we've talked about it so many times on the live calls so it's endless amount of hours mm-hmm. around this concept about you each of us communicate in a unique frequency yeah right and then you help people kind of identify their frequency and then walk it back like this is what happens when your frequency is unhealthy, the shadow side. This is what happens yeah. when your frequency is healthy, when it's strong. Here's your here's your primary frequency, but now you need to adopt the the skill set of the other six frequencies mm-hmm. to become a well-rounded like human being that communicates at a high level. And I don't know if there's enough importance built around that. You know, I got a message on the arena, which is really cool because we have the, the school app that goes hand in hand. It's the community aspect of the arena. It's where, you, it's where you listen to and watch all the, in the classroom and they have all the videos uploaded. We got a, a, a comment on our like arena members board. And I love that they just comment. They answered each other's questions. Mark, <laughs> shout out Mark Burrell. Burley. Barley, Barley. Barley. I've I can barely Mark, say I've known his Mark last for like 30 name. years. <laughs> I know. I've had him tell me how to say it yeah. so many times. But he he's like the the keeper of the house of, of the online board. But uh, someone asked like, where's the where's the written like backup? Like, where's the written um, content around the seven frequencies? And I was like, no, no. Like, this is a brand new concept idea that no one else is talking about. There is no. There's, There's nowhere no, else in the world you can go to find this. This is the only place. It's like, this is in these videos. Like, study yeah. them, you know? Well, I guess we can tr- transcribe them. But I don't think people realize how important it is to find the things in between the spaces, right? And then to identify it. To, to, like, the, even the identity and the realization of frequency is so unique, mm-hmm. right? That, like, why people's favorite colors are the way they are is because there's a frequency of light that we see faster than other frequencies. Mm-hmm. And it, everything in the world around us is is categorized within like these frequencies that we can hear and understand or see and 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 describe um and i don't know i just i I, this is an interesting i don't know where we are in this i just think it's an interesting journey of communication now that we're having um yeah but yeah sorry where do we go from here yeah one of the things that really strikes me is the the gap between what we experience and what we know yeah you know, I mean, one of the challenging things for me this last month is that I have one eye that has healed pretty well, one eye that's just not healing. Yeah. And when I look in the mirror and I take, a, I have to you know, take photographs and keep myself updated and send it to the doctors and stuff, is that it's always backwards. It's really weird. Like when you look in the mirror and then you take a photograph, sometimes I've had to put my finger up to go, this is the eye that's good. And then I can see it in the photograph because it's always yeah. backwards. I realize you're never seeing yourself the way other people see you. Like not even in your mirror reflection. I want to create a mirror that actually shows you, you, the way yeah. other people see you. I thought that that would be like such an it's unique, interesting. But, like, uh, isn't there a setting on the iPhone? You're gonna have to overdub what you just said. <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm talking about a mirror with panels that essentially does the same thing, right? Oh, that's so unique. And so this month has just been like, it has so highlighted to me that 
my brain doesn't want to accept that this is the opposite me. Hmm. And because a lot of times I'm looking, I'm going, okay, wait a minute, which, which eye is this one? And I'm having to actually put a marker there so I can see it in the photograph and go, okay, this is the way it, it's playing out. And I just wonder how many of us, like, what's your good side? My good side? Like, you know, in your own mind, what's your good side? I don't know. It, I, I, yeah. I but you do. Yeah, what's my good side? Be, you mean, you're asking me this yeah. right now. Oh, the, the in front? <laughs> <laughs> straight up. Straight up. Yeah. I think I have a terrible profile. And yeah. it looks kind of scary from the profile. Like everyone has like a, a big a, nose and a little chin. Everyone has like a personal good side. Yeah. You, you know? And What's um, yours? I, I, I can tell you right now. It's my, right now it's my right side. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. But <laughs> you only need one good side. <laughs> it's good. It's the side we shoot you from. Yeah, there you go. And um, But like everyone has a good side in their own mind. But is it the same good side that other people see? Hmm. See, because if you're seeing the opposite version of yourself hmm. in the mirror, is it possible that you are actually wrong about which side looks better to other people? Hmm. And then if you apply that to our own persona and our own identity, you're going, what if, what if we think we're stronger when we're because uh, we're coming across a certain way, but we're actually weaker when we come across that way. Mm. Like, what if we think we're more charismatic when we're acting a certain way, yeah. but we actually act—we're actually more insecure <laughs> to people. Yeah. We're acting that way. I'm just wondering how many times the mere opposite is true. Mm. Like when we're calm and we don't think, "Oh, I'm not really making a great impact on people." Mm. That's when people go, "Wow, he's so compelling and charismatic. He doesn't seem to worry about anything." Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and and. You know, and so I, I just started thinking about that in terms of, of just even of what's happening like in our conversations on MindShift. A lot of times we think, oh, this conversation isn't connecting to people. Then we get texts going. That was the best one yet. That was the best one yet. And yeah. other times we think we're on fire. <laughs> we think it's amazing. Yeah. And we don't get any comments or any yeah. feedback. Which probably comments are, why does Aaron talk so much? <laughs> and always interrupt everyone. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I'm sorry I was born. <laughs> <laughs> anyway he did this to himself yeah. <laughs> but this is one of the reasons i love doing this podcast is yeah. because i think most humans discover the greatest insights about themselves in the conversations hmm. that um if you think you know yourself most truly when you're being introspective and self-reflective hmm. you may not know yourself very well because you best know yourself through human interaction hmm. and engagement. Hmm. Like if you think you're patient, but everyone thinks you're impatient, you got the raw radar. Hmm. You, if you, you know, it doesn't matter if you think you're kind. It matters if other people see you as kind. It doesn't matter if, you know, it, it doesn't matter how you see yourself in the end if it doesn't connect with how other people are seeing you. Hmm. And because the best way of seeing yourself is through the mirror of other human beings does that make sense yeah of course yeah yeah i mean i always find like i always find it interesting i'm a huge harry potter fan and i always find it interesting in the, in the is it the first the first movie where he, or the second movie where he finds the 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 mirror that shows you uh what you want to see so it always show him with his parents and I'm always like interested, right? Because I'm like, we always look for a mirror. And I always know this, like women always do this, right? <laughs> I do it sometimes, but I don't notice it as much. But like women can tell if a mirror is true or not. Like when, when women walk in front of a mirror, they're like, this mirror is too wide or too long, or it's like a actual representation of me. Ooh. Have you been with a, I don't know. I have walked, who is it? I was with Kevin and Robbie in London. And Robbie was like, I, she's like, I got a new mirror. And I was in her house. And I was like, okay, cool what happened to the old mirror the old mirror was sick and she was like no no that mirror made you look wide and i was like oh that makes sense because i always feel too skinny so i loved that mirror <laughs> but i wonder if in department stores they use mirrors in the oh. women's department to make them look thinner oh so that they could try and address go, they go oh i like the way this dress go, makes me look go try on clothes they i think they probably used to right oh so austin oh. said that they used to and they got in trouble legally bring them back <laughs> Let me look skinny or wide. Um, no, that's really interesting concept, right? Because we will always look for the things that make us look better or feel better about ourselves. 
That's interesting because in the movie Love Actually, yeah, which is actually a great yeah, it's a great movie. Movie. Um, the assistant to Hugh Grant, who is the president or the prime minister of England, hmm. everyone talks about her as if she's chubby, hmm. and every conversation about her is her being overweight or pudgy, and he falls in love with her, hmm. and he's like, "Why do you call her that?" Like he doesn't see her that way, right? Which is who she falls in love with. So I wonder if you're looking for the person who they see you the way you want the mirror to show you you. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They you, want to be you know seen I mean? for their best qualities. Right. Yeah. And and so that whole movie. It's why beautiful women want to be seen as intelligent. Why intelligent women want to be seen as beautiful. It's why you know strong men want to be fit into skinny jeans and why you know little <laughs> men want to be big like it we are we are always searching for the the opposite of us or the same right but more <laughs> but more it's why we buy dogs that look like us mm -hmm. you know uh, i just want someone who sees me as having two good eyes <laughs> <laughs> you do when you close them <laughs> yeah. i'm joking no you no. do but it's it's yeah i don't know where we're landing this plane we've been going for like 50 minutes Right. Yeah, so I think well, we're good. We should land the plane because I have to go to the doctor's office. Well, I, I do think no, <laughs> to no, check we, out we did. my lazy. Eye. Yes, go. Yes, you got to go to the doctor's, doctor's office. We'll be praying for you. And honestly, it was just nice to catch up and, and jump on the pod in the midst of the hecticness. Hopefully, we can shoot another one next week and just get a couple in before the end of the year. Um, if we don't get to talk to you guys, I want to just say Merry Christmas and ha Happy New Year. And we're so grateful that you guys have joined us this year and on this journey for the last six or seven years that we've been doing Battle Ready and now Mind Shift. Uh, it's been the biggest gift mm -hmm. to meet people around the world who come up to me. I mean, I'm someone who avoids recognition in that way, mm -hmm. but there has not, I was on my plane to Mexico City from LA mm -hmm. and the steward was like, man, I love Mosaic and I love Mind Shift. Oh, wow. And it was so cool. And I invited him to church on Sunday in Mexico City and he came, which was so sweet. And I think he brought his boyfriend, which was like very sweet. And it was just like, it was just fun. And they were like, he was like, his boyfriend was like, oh my gosh, like I love Mind Shift. And, I was, and then there was a guy from <laughs> Colombia that was there and was like, I love Mind, Sh mind Shift and, 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 and I was in London and I was in a random coffee shop, dad. I didn't tell you, I haven't even told you this. It was in a coffee shop called Ometesando, which I really love. It's, mm -hmm. this, it's off of um, something circus, I don't know, um, I think. And and I'm, this is a random little coffee shop, at least to me. It's not where, it's not mm -hmm. Ami Leon. It's not all these spots that everybody I know goes to. And I'm sitting in the window and within 30 seconds, someone just goes, hey, I love Mindshift. Thank you so much. And it ended up being really funny because we ended up running into each other at two other spots afterwards and I met That's their whole family <laughs> and, and it was really a, a generous thing. But this, you know, it, it's just shout out to the people who listen. This wouldn't be possible without you and and it wouldn't be so, it wouldn't be as fun without And we people. love our MindShift community, man. We, we love do. you guys. Yeah. So, you know, end of the year, if you have it, my only ask this year would be this. Share your favorite episode to a friend that's never heard about us mm -hmm. um, mm, and, and rate and review this podcast mm -hmm. and pick up MindShift. If you haven't picked up the book, pick it up. This is the best response I think I've ever gotten to a book. Yes. And so I just encourage people to pick up MindShift. You can read it in one night. It's an incredibly short read. Yeah, the audio book is three hours and seven minutes. Yeah, it's beautiful. So if you read or if you listen, and I was I ran into Martuan in LA when he was here for uh -huh. conference and I caught him, it was the week the book had released. Mm -hmm. He he listens to the audiobook while he reads along with it. Oh, that's so good. So, because I was like, yo, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm actually listening to the audio at the same time. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So anyways, thank you for listening. We're so grateful for you. Write and review this podcast on YouTube. You can subscribe, hit subscribe. Um, give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment. Spotify, Apple, leave us a review. I want to break a thousand on Spotify for reviews. And um, we're really grateful for you guys.